welcome to the Sweeter Than Honey podcast. I'm Tori. I'm here with my husband, Josh, and my brother-in-law, Brendan. Today, we're talking about the polydote of Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Yes. Or Japheth. Either way. Is it Japheth? Japheth. Yeah, well, yeah Japheth. so the, the letter has both. It's like Does C it? has P's. Oh, okay. And in so this it doesn't... case, the letter P has Pan. Yeah. So it's not like the most important detail? No. Okay. No. I wasn't, you know, I wasn't going to be like, oh, it's Madonna, not Madonna, you know, know, (laughs) I can't. If you really want to get super particular, it would be like Yafet, but. Oh, (laughs) (laughs) I'm not Hebrew. Yeah, exactly. Basically, last time, um, the Eden blessing was reinstated uh, with slight alterations due to the uh, corrupt state of humanity even in the new creation. Yeah. You can um, stop being vegetarians now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, also, animals can attack you now. Mm-hmm. So Yeah, yeah. You, the, the relationship between the humans and the animals is now going to have the same kind of difficulties that the relationship between the humans and the earth was already having due to the rebellion that took place in the garden. So... Things are not as they should be. However, God is still wanting to go forward with the Eden mandate. To reinforce the fact that things are not as they should be, the new Adam gets naked in the garden uh, after getting drunk, and another attempt at usurping a seat of status takes place, um, which is very vile and disgusting, and I'm not going to get into the details again because it's not not fun stuff at all. Yeah, go listen to our last episode. You can get all the disgusting details. Yeah. No, we, we tried to keep it as uh, family-friendly as possible, but it, yeah. it's, it's tough considering the subject matter. Yeah, yeah, go listen to Naked Bible Podcast. Um, not because it has naked. Um, <laughs> but uh, Michael Heiser does a, a good job at explaining why the... The cultural situation and language helps us get this picture that we don't want to see mm-hmm. of what is actually happening, rather than just like <laughs> dead naked. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, so we ended the last chapter with um, Noah basically saying, "Hey, because of what took place, here's how things are going to look." The son who is likely the second born whose name refers to reputation and renown he is going to be elevated above his brothers Uh, his uh, brother whose name refers to expansion is going to be under the covering of Shem and Ham's descendants are going to be put under the feet of Shem basically they are going to be subjugated because of what Ham did. So. Good job. I'm reading. Yes. I'm not reading from the right one. Um, and oh. then and then Noah lived for 350 years uh, and died. Okay, so we're reading uh, Genesis 10 from the New American Standard Bible 1995 edition. Now these are the records of the generations of Shem, Ham, and Japheth, the sons of Noah, and sons were born to them after the flood. The sons of Japheth were Gomer and Magog and Madai and Javan and Tubal and Meshech and Kiras. The sons of Gomer were Ashkenaz and Riphath and Togarma 
the sons of Javan were Elisha and Tarshish, Etim and Dodanim. From these, the coastlands of the nations were separated into their lands, everyone according to his language, according to their families, into their nations. The sons of Ham were Cush and Mizraim and Put and Canaan. The sons of Cush were Seba and Havilah and Sabta and Raama and Sabtika. The sons of Raama were Sheba and Dedan. Now Cush became the father of Nimrod. He became a mighty one on the earth. He was a mighty hunter before the Lord. Therefore it is said, like Nimrod, a mighty hunter before the Lord. The beginning of his kingdom was Babel and Erek and Akkad and Kalne in the land of Shinar. From that land he went forth into Assyria and built Nineveh and Rehoboth Ir and Kala and resin between Nineveh and Kala, that is the great city. Mizraim became the father of Ludim and Anamim and Lehabim and Naphtuim and Pathruzim and Kasluhim, from which came the Philistines and Kaphtorim. There's so many names. <laughs> yeah, well, and these Eims are the plural, so it's like the family of Kaphtor. Oh, mm -hmm. oh boy, okay. I did not put that together. I didn't um, know that before now. Yeah, yeah. Eem as a suffix in Hebrew is like pluralizing a masculine noun, usually. Yeah, mm. for feminine nouns, it's ot. Yep. So this is how we get Elohim as a plural of Your Eloah. Your language lesson for the day, folks. Yes, <laughs> yes. Canaan became the father of Sidon, uh, Sidon, Sidon. S-I-D-O-N? Mm-hmm, yeah. Canaan became the father of Sidon, his firstborn, and Heth. And the Jebusite, and the Amorite, and the Girgashite, and the Hivite, and the Archite, and the Sinite, and the Arvadite, and the Zemarite, and the Hamathite, and afterward the families of the Canaanite were spread abroad. There's so many M, 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 M. Yeah, Canaan, Canaan got busy. <laughs> yes. Canaan as in? The person. The, the one. The, the son okay. that was cursed. Right. Okay, cool. Thank you. The territory of the Canaanite extended from Sidon as you go toward Gerar, as far as Gaza, as you go toward Sodom and Gomorrah, and Adma, and Zeboim, as far Zeboim, as far as Lasha. These are the sons of Ham according to their families, according to the languages, by their lands, by their nations. Also, Teshem, the father of all the children of Eber, and the older brother of Japheth, children were born. The sons of Shem were Elam, and Ashur, and Arpachshad, and Lud, and Aram. The sons of Aram were Uz, and Hol, and Gether, and Mash. Arpachshad became the father of Shelah, and Shelah became the father of Eber. Two sons were born to Eber. The name of the one was Peleg, for in his days the earth was divided, and his brother's name was Jokten. Jokten became the father of Almodid, and Shelef, and Hazarmaveth, and Jera, and Hadoram, and Uzal, and Dikla, and Obal, and Abimael, and Sheba, and Ophir, and Havilah, and Jobab. All these were the sons of Joktan. Now their settlement extended from Mesha as you go toward Sephar, the hill country of the east. These are the sons of Shem according to their families, according to their languages, by their lands, according to their nations. These are the families of the sons of Noah according to their genealogies, by their nations, and out of these nations were separated on the earth after the flood. All right. Okay. Uh, very dense family yeah. record. Yeah. Adams was uh, at least divided up enough that you didn't have name, 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 well, name, name, and name, we name. only cared. So. Yeah, and we only cared about the promised line. Here it's yes. like, hey, this is where this whole chapter is like. This is where the families of the world come from because exactly. there's only eight people that were on the ark. All of their flesh was destroyed. We already covered that, right? Mm -hmm. So. 
all humanity descended from these eight people. Exactly. Or I guess from the the six people post Noah, but like, you know, it all comes mm-hmm. back to Noah. Exactly. Right. Yes. So yeah, this is referred to <clears throat> by scholars as the table of nations because it is a um reference point for what the Hebrew conception of the people groups of the world looked like and from where they came. Yeah. We don't get ages because that doesn't matter. We're just establishing people groups right now. Yep. Hmm. Uh, so we Nate, only get a couple of sides. We get yeah. one for Nimrod, and then we get uh, the one for Noah at the very end. Mm-hmm. Well, we get one for Peleg. Oh, true. And Eber yeah, is, the is kind divided. of... Um, Eber's kind of singled, singled out here, too. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, something special about Eber. Yeah, something unfortunately special about Nimrod. Yes. Uh, okay. I can't tell if this one has 70 or 72 because there, there's a difference. I'm pretty sure this is 70 because the Masoretic text takes 70, I think. But the Septuagint takes 72. Yes. Is that right? Yes. I don't know where those two quote-unquote missing generations are. I do not know, um, but I know that it... Uh, Let's see. I'm trying to recall if it's the Septuagint specifically, but yeah, there there is a there is a textual variant um, that has two extras, and um, as a result, there is throughout the whole of Scripture, even into the New Testament, um, a slight discrepancy in other manuscripts. Um, the important thing to note is the image here is of the fullness of humanity yeah. that spreads yeah. out over the earth. And when that theme gets picked up by Jesus in the New Testament, he is instating new humanity in yeah. the way that he goes about what he does. So thematically, 70 makes more sense yes. to 7 and 10. But Yes. Um, but it doesn't have to be exact. No, and this is where the argument comes in of like, oh, maybe the gen- maybe the genealogies are... are incomplete maybe it, it like skips generations for the sake of numerical themes right right um there's not and and typically that argument is used to try and you know fit in an older earth ideology um you know it, it's because we assume the earth is maybe not even the billions of years old right but maybe it's thousands of years older than we like to think it is um that that way we can kind of squeeze in this idea that oh if there are generations missing then there could have been 10 generations just between seth and whoever the other person is after him right sure. jared i think is sure no Enosh. yeah i'll get this down eventually but anyway so uh just because there's a variant um people will come in and say ah see either the bible is fallible or the generations aren't to be taken literally. Right, right. Which I, I think the important thing to note with regard to that is just because the scribes are doing um, doing theology as much as they are recording history, that does not mean that the historical records are inaccurate simply because they're telling them in such a way as to emphasize theological truth. Yeah, exactly. These two things are not mutually exclusive. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and and that's that's um, it's it's kind of, we we can't exactly prove it either way, right? Mm-hmm. I'm more inclined personally to agree that uh, minus the discrepancies in some of the genealogies, the 
records are to be taken literally. And mm-hmm. the way that, that I can reconcile that for myself is that, you know, God works in numbers and with people. So why can't God have the 10th generation be the generation that does this thing in Adam's line? Why can't the whatever number generation be the generation that does this in the whole genealogy of Jesus, mm-hmm. right? So it, it's not it's not the make or break point. For some people it is, and I'm sure that there are scholars and teachers that have much better teaching on this than we do. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it does not have to be the be-all, end-all for your faith. Exactly, yeah, yeah. I, I would encourage that it shouldn't be. I think I think there there has been an unhealthy emphasis on inerrancy in a way that inerrancy doesn't actually exist. Yeah, because we, we like to take that and say, oh, the English translation then has to be perfect. Or or even that God had to be the one to write the scrolls, which I think is more oh, like zero rather human. than yeah, exactly, gotcha. exactly. Rather than humans are are the ones who wrote all of this, and humans are fallible. Mm-hmm. As such, things are not always going to be one hundred percent accurate, quote unquote, in the way yeah. that we expect them to be. We talked about that. that a does not bit. mean exactly, um, but that that does not mean that the truth present here is fallible. It means that the humans God used were fallible. The truth is what is inerrant because the truth is God's. And therefore, even if a fallible human is presenting the truth, the truth is still there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's part of the uh, doctrine of preservation in the scripture, right? Exactly. Is that even if the uh, you know letters aren't exactly uh, how they were however long ago, right, that the message is still accurate and consistent throughout exactly so all that to say you know there's a lot of names in here and it can have theological significance um and people might try to trip you up because of it yes we have to remember that people are people and people in and of themselves makes make some mistakes make lots of mistakes yeah so, uh, well we have to remember <coughs> that people were the ones presenting this message exactly I, I think yeah people People want to cut people out of the picture because they feel the need to save God from himself and and his choice to partner with fallible humans, um, which is unfortunately something which becomes a problem for a lot of people's faith when they have a specific ex- expectation of how the scriptures came into existence and what inerrancy looks like. And when that gets challenged by good scholarly data— mm-hmm suddenly their whole faith system falls apart because it was built on a cornerstone that wasn't even real. Yeah, yeah, it didn't even exist. Right. If their cornerstone is, oh, this was written down by God directly or the uh, we talked about the idea of, you know, divine possession, God took over the person's body and and then he <laughs> left and they were like, "Oh, I wrote this thing." Yeah, um, and, and like and then, that's also different than your spirit interacting with God um as the primary driver of your body, because that's not God's spirit taking over your body. That's your spirit. That's like being the primary driver. But that's that's very different. That's not the same as like going into a a you know coma and writing something and then waking up and being like, yeah, "Whoa, exactly. I wrote this thing." Exactly. And and so my point is, people have these categories that do not exist, mm-hmm. and they build their whole faith system on these categories, and yeah. that that's a problem because when those categories get pointed out as being non-existent categories all of a sudden because their faith system was built on this thing it all collapses the cornerstone needs to be jesus the cornerstone cannot be your perception of how the scriptures came into existence imagine that yes 
Oh, they even wrote a song about that. Which ones? Cornerstone. Wow. Christ alone. Okay, I think this is the third Toledote. I tried to double check. And... Yes. Oh, not that that... The Toledote of the Heavens and the Earth, the Sefer Toledote of Adam, yeah, Toledote of Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Not that it super, super matters, but... Um, Remind us what Toledote means again. Record. Um, it's, it's usually thought of in the sense of, like, uh, either genealogies, so, mm-hmm. like, a family record... Um, right. a history of the family or just an account like this is the story of this family okay cool not yeah. specifically a list of names but like hey this is what happened with this family yeah it, it's it's most often translated as generations so like we could but. say yeah like the Toledote of my family is like well you know however long ago they were in Ireland on this side of the family and then they mm-hmm. came over here to America and we're in this state, and then this state, and this thing happened, and then this state, right? That's the Toledote of my family. Exactly. It has names and a genealogy in it, but, like, it's the story of the family, right. not just the names. Yeah. It's just, it, it, it's translated as generations because it comes from the Hebrew verb yalad, which is to bear, to to beget. Damn. So, so, so yeah. on and so forth. There are just this and this and this. Yeah, there's just ideas attached to these words, right? And so, right. like, when... when well, that, that's, uh, I'm just... Saying that that's the etymological reason, but yeah, that yeah. does not mean that that's what etymology and and definition are not the same thing. Yeah, um, I'm just trying to think of a word in English that we can. We're like, if we say a word, then it immediately draws our brain to an event or or like some cultural concept, right? I can't think of a specific kind of like a like a family tree. No, 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 no. Not I'm, in the sense of, of, like... I wasn't thinking specifically for that. Yeah. I was just thinking in general, like, how words carry more than just what they strictly mean. Yeah. That kind of thing. Right. Anyway. I'm, I just meant to, like, relate Toledote. Sure. Like, you know, you think, oh, there's a little embroidery on the wall, and it's got all the names, and these people marry these people, and they had these kids. <laughs> it, it, yeah, so this is a list of names, but it's it's more than just a list of names. Exactly. Uh, these are the records of the generations of Shem, Ham, and Japheth, the sons of Noah. The sons were born to them after the flood. Mm-hmm. Uh, sons of Japheth were Gomer. So the sons of expansion. Yes. Um, uh, Gomer and Magog will show up later, won't they? I think you're right. Uh, Doesn't Tubal also? No, Tubal was... Um, Tubal Cain was a uh, descendant oh. of Cain. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I know that uh, Magog is going to show up later. Um, I thought Gomer did too. I'm trying to recall. I, I'm I'm sure there are multiple Gomers in the Bible because the name sounds familiar. But let me let me. You know what? I, I have Bible Hub open. Why don't I just look it up? Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I know. I know Magog is specifically going to be important. Ezekiel to... Gomer with all his troops. Oh, there you go. Yeah, so. uh, Hosea the, and took Gomer the daughter. Uh, there you go. That's the one that I was thinking of was Hosea, because I, I knew that name sounded familiar. Um, but yeah, uh, Magog is going to be significant in Ezekiel and then later in Revelation, because um, uh, John's vision is uh, expressed through the language of other prophets, such as Ezekiel. Um, so... Uh, yeah, yeah, son of man, set your face toward Gog of the land of Magog. Uh, uh, Persia, Ethiopia, put with all of them in shield. Gomer with all his troops. Okay, so yeah, the people group, I guess. It's yeah. just dealing with that. But yeah, so, Magog has more of a uh, an image around him than Gomer does, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
All right, so Magog uh, basically means place of Gog, and Gog means rooftop. Um, was he born on top of a roof? Maybe. It's possible. Yeah. <laughs> wait, wait, what does Gomer mean? Um, Gomer comes from Gamar to bring to an end or complete. That's interesting. Why is Japheth's firstborn the one that brings completion? Well, I I have a question. See, because in the Descendants of Ham, I'm reading from NLT, um, just because that's apparently what I have pulled up. <laughs> this is what, what pulled up when I opened Bible Gateway. Hmm. Um it says the descendants of Ham were Cush, Mizraim, Put, and Canaan. Mm-hmm. Wasn't Canaan the firstborn of Ham? No. Not necessarily. Oh, okay. Uh, well, we, we we don't know where he fell in all of that. Mm-hmm. It, it, the only reason that Canaan is significant in the previous chapter is because of he gets the, the potential means of conception and the curse. Well, yeah. here's something. Even though the English text says something different later on. It's it's actually more reasonable to, to assume that Japheth is the oldest of these three mm-hmm. um, because of how the language is portrayed and everything. Right. Um, but, but since Shem is the chosen one and Ham is like, you know, the one that's kind of focused on because of his sins, maybe they're listed first, right? right. Th- th- there could be more than just order of birth in this writing. Right. Um. So one of the reasons that Cain might be listed as last of Ham's direct sons is because he's the cursed son. Even if he was the firstborn, he's the last in the line in terms of, you know, good things. Gotcha. Okay. I just figured maybe, I don't know. I thought maybe um, the way that their genealogies worked, it could have been that they listed listed their children from newest to oldest. That's usually how it works. Oh, is it? Okay. Um, Or... No, other way Sorry, around. Sorry, other way around. You're right. Oldest yeah. to youngest. Well, and, and yeah, also, usually it's listed firstborn to lastborn. Okay. Also, Canaan is last in this list potentially because he has so many nations. Right. Right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, you know, uh, there, there are several reasons why he could still be the firstborn and yet at the end of that list. Um, but whether he's the firstborn doesn't really matter. Yeah. Um, I just, I don't know. I saw it and I was like, huh, I wonder if that's... Yeah. The way that they did it back then. Uh, no, it's usually the firstborn is listed first. Okay, cool. There there could be reasons why the firstborn wouldn't be listed first, potentially, though. Mm-hmm. Um, like in this theoretical case of Japheth, where he's just kind of the one that isn't really involved in the story very much. Yeah. Right. Uh, okay, so uh, what does Gomer mean? Completion. Completion. Magog uh, is the place of the rooftop. Yes. Um. And then, uh, yeah, Yeni. Um, so we got, uh, Madad and Yah, um, measured by Yah. Um, or God came down and was like, It's a healthy baby boy, he's 20 inches long, (laughs) (laughs) right? Or, uh, Madad and Dai. Uh, so, um, a, a sufficient measurement, um, w- which could also be out of abundance. Hmm. Learning all sorts of new things today on the podcast. That's right. Um, and we have, uh, Imagine Java. if people nowadays name their children, like, how they were named in the, in, like, the Bible. They're like, I swallowed you in a blanket, so your name is... 
swaddle blanket. <laughs> well, that was that was the case for a very very long time. It's only a very recent convention that people were like, I like how that name sounds. I don't know what it means, so I'm just gonna right. But, but yeah, na- names had significance for a very long time. It wasn't until people got lazy and and stopped caring. Mm-hmm. Um, it, part of that is also. I think in part due to, don't quote me because I don't know for sure, due to children living longer so they didn't have to ascribe quite as much significance to each individual child as such and they could just be like, oh, okay, I, I just had another baby. This is a cool name for the baby. Here you go. Right. Um, whereas before, there was no guarantee that your baby would live past a certain point. So you want to like, here, I'm going to put a lot, a lot is, um, a lot of stake is being placed in this life. And the furthering of the family through this life. Oh. Now it's just like, oh, hey, I had another baby. That's cool. I don't have to worry about my family line being cut off because we have all of these modern amenities which allow for life to thrive for the most part. Exactly. So much so that we don't need to have families anymore. Yeah, exactly. Um, so then uh, next we have uh, Javan, um, which comes from the Hebrew noun uh, Yawan or mire, so mire or like a mud. Yeah, oh, like mud. Um, his name was mud, literally. Um, <laughs> Which uh, is different than Adama. Yes, yes. Uh, yeah, this this is specifically miry muck. Um, it's the very gross. Uh, Dead place. Exactly. Speaking of which, I did not realize that uh, through the muck and mire, which is a fairly common English phrase, is a biblical phrase that comes from the Psalms. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Ooh. As uh, by the skin of my teeth, that's uh, from Job. What about hell and high water? Hell or high water? I don't actually know about that one. I did not look into that one. But I uh, was curious about the origins of muck and mire and was like, I wonder where that's from. And it was like, oh, hey, Psalm. That's fancy. The psalm. Yeah. A lot a lot of uh, English, modern English phrases are derivative of scripture because the King James Bible was so widely spread. Yeah, it's almost yeah. like it's a cultural phenomenon. Exactly. <laughs> Weird. How about that? Yes. Um, two ball. Yeah, we get two ball, which we... we That's re- cry a lot. <laughs> two ball. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> uh, we, we touched on this with two ball cane. Um, yeah, it, it means uh, it, or it, it could come from Tebel, which is whole world economy or Yabal to carry along. Mm. Um, to carry along the whole world's economy. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> what an important banker. <laughs> <laughs> um, Meshek uh, is also associated. You're doing great. You need a soda? I don't know. Um, <laughs> associated. Oh, Meshek is also associated with the name Mosh. Um, they they like pit Mosh pit. No 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 like oh. mash. But 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 the a is got the aw sound, yeah. not the a sound. Oh okay. Yeah, a wasn't the sound. So it's mash a, like Hebrew. potatoes, like mash. Yeah yeah. Okay, yeah. Okay. A is a very modern pronunciation of that um, vowel. Yeah, I think of what like phonetic. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, yeah. I wouldn't know. That's uh, was a far more common pronunciation of that particular letter in various languages. Um, it's associated with mash. Yes. Mosh. Uh, yeah. So mosh or meshek, they're both seemingly derivative of the same, um, and that could be 
from the verb masha uh, to draw out um, or mashak uh, to draw or drag. Um, so uh, either either drawn out of like uh, like a hiding place or like dragged along mm. kind of idea. Man, or Javon and Meshek. <laughs> Mom, why did you name me Meshek? Because <laughs> you wouldn't come out. <laughs> she had to drag her out, drag him out herself. That does not seem like a very comfortable position. That's right. Well, C-sections weren't a thing then. Oh, I'm pretty sure you would die push. for a C-section at that point. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to remember when the earliest C-sections were. Uh, they didn't, have, they didn't have anesthetic, I'd say that much. Yeah. Um, and then we have this name T-Ross, which um, I can't actually find a meaning for. It It seems to be of uncertain origin. Um, it It's possible that it comes from the verb rasas to moisten, um, but it but it seems like the general consensus is uh. yeah probably a foreign <laughs> derivation yeah so it might have been a loan word so. or just maybe Javits was the first one to be like you know what I'm gonna name my kid something unique right I'm gonna name my kid moisturizer <laughs> hey lotion how's it going bro <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> Davis, like, hey, lotion, could you come help me with this? <laughs> yeah, mud boy, what you want? <laughs> yes, yes. Oh my god! Drag, get you your butt over here. <laughs> All right, sons of Gomer. So yes, so we have the sons of Gomer. Um, Ashkenaz uh, seems to come from Kesh uh, fire. This is a this is a a phrase, not just a word. Esh um, fire ke like or as and naza to sprinkle so um the, oh, like the phrase the phrase would be like so fire is scattered like sparks yeah exactly we got we got sparklers um, uh real quick japheth had seven sons good call out um so rifoth uh seems to come from either the noun uh ripa oh it's um, ripat yes ripat um which is uh, some sort of beaten and dried grain or fruit. So it, it could be just like grain. Or it could come from the verb rapa, to heal. Um, so it could be the healer. Um, considering the form of the word, it's probably the former. But um, it could be either. My guy is not gluten-free. <laughs> no, they didn't have concerns about that kind of thing back then. This is a very... Uh, yeah. Yeah, they they had this, they had to worry sucks. about they had to worry about how long their chicken cooked because they didn't know about salmonella. That's right. Oh boy. Um and then we have uh Togarma, I guess is how you pronounce. Uh Yeah, Togarma. Yeah. Um and uh this seems to come from the Hebrew noun gerem, bone. So this is the bone breaker. Whoa. Which sounds like a monster truck. This guy must, must be where the Greeks came from. The bone breakers? Yeah. I don't think bone so, Bone breaker! But, uh, Take a piece for the sheep, I'm, I'm but pretty, you'll only eat the I'm pretty sure, right. sure Javen <laughs> is actually where the Greeks came from. Uh, yeah. 
that those were uh, the sons of Gomer. Now we have the sons of Javan. Uh, we have Elisha. Oh, wait, we skipped Magog. Whoa. No, we talked about Magog. No, yeah. no, no. Magog doesn't have sons. Oh. Oh, gotcha. That kind of skip. I was like, I, I said his name. Whoa. There you go. Yes. That is interesting. So wait, were Gomer and Javan the only ones who had children? Uh, I guess. That, or, are, that are listed here. At least they were the, the prominent families. The other families may have... Uh, had sons and then got, or, yeah, or got wiped out. Yeah. Dang. Interesting. Yeah, it is possible for people groups to just kind of vanish from the face of the earth due or, to yeah. uh, territorial conflicts and such. Oh, or or Magog's sons were just came under his patriarchy and stayed there. They didn't spread out. And so it, this is just one potential explanation. So Magog's name was the primary tribe name. Sure, oh, okay. sure. Um, so yeah, so then the sons of Javan, we have Elisha, um, which is a another phrase. Um, so it's from El, God, obviously, Elisha, mm-hmm. um, and then Yasha, to save. Uh, so God is my salvation. It's a, it's a similar name to Yeshua, um, except instead of having Yah, it has El. Would, would, is, um, hmm, let me start over. My brain is going too fast for my mouth to keep up. You can start, but you can start over. Yes. <laughs> is this the Elisha that? No. Oh no, is a different Elisha. No, this is thousands of years uh, before in the past. before Elisha, like the prophet. Yeah. This yeah. would okay. this would be like a good two thousand years before Elisha. Oh dang. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Yeah, this is still beginnings of the earth. This is pre Tower of Babel. Okay. That cool. all of this is. This well, is right after Noah. This is. Around the Tower of Babel. So this would have been like Noah's grandkids. This is Noah's grandkids. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yes. Well, well, Elisha is his great grandkid. But yes. So anyway, yeah. So Elisha, not the prophet Elisha, but same name. Um, God is my salvation. Um, Then we have Tarshish, which is a name that should be recognizable if we're looking at other prophets. España. Um, That's right. yeah, Tarshish, Tar- Tarshish becomes a city Spain. in Spain. Yeah. So it's possible that, that the descendants of Tarshish are the ones that populated that area, Portugal, mm-hmm. Spain. Yeah. It's also somewhere that uh, Paul tries to go. Cool. Um, that was his final frontier. Yes. Because then that was the end of the world. Spain, the final <laughs> frontier. <laughs> Good job, guys. <laughs> uh, well, okay. GPS didn't exist then, so Luke, <laughs> how would they up. have known? <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Oh goodness! All right, so uh, so this is um, possibly from a Persian phrase, which would mean His Excellency. Um, it's possibly from the Hebrew verb rashash to beat down or shatter. So this speaks of subjugation. Either way, he's yeah, some sort of like person mm-hmm. um it could also though come from the noun shaish uh, which is a uh, white alabaster and the noun tor dove um so tor shaish that sounds a, a, like that sounds dove. like some political stuff where they're like okay we got to uh, you know do a pr overhaul here <laughs> people aren't a big fan of you crushing their skulls uh your name doesn't mean bone breaker so let's Here's what we'll do. Your house is going to be a beautiful white, and we're going to portray you right. as the most innocent, life-saving bird because of the Ark story. <laughs> yes. Okay. Yeah. So that's that's uh, definitely <laughs> the propaganda angle is possible. Um, we don't know. But yeah, uh, 
definitely seems to be a ruler of some sort, if nothing else. Um, Sarshish mean conqueror, fake news. That's it right. means alabaster dove. That's right. Um, <laughs> then we have uh, kitim, uh, which comes from likely the Hebrew verb katat, to beat or hammer. So, <laughs> we'll um, blame it on your brother. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Um, so th- th- there are a lot of violent names in this string. We have the bone breaker. We have the subjugator. We have the the hammer. Um, then we have what was Javen? Uh, oh, what was Javen? Hold on. Was he Mudman? No, no, that Mud was Boy? that was a uh, uh, Madai. Oh no. Madai was something else. Good measurement. Oh yeah, measured by yeah. Wait, uh, Javen is Mudman. Yes, Javen is Mudman. Oh sorry. <laughs> Maybe, maybe he was salty, and then he was like, all right, my kids are just going to beat everybody up for me. <laughs> uh, okay, and then Dodanim. And then, yes, Dodanim uh, likely comes from the Hebrew verb dada, to move or lead slowly, so leaders. Yeah, okay, so, yep, Javen's expanding, although yes. maybe not in the way that they were supposed to. Yeah. They probably had plenty of land, and then they decided they wanted everybody else's land. Exactly, yeah. Well, this, you know, the, the idea of uh, Jephus' name meaning um, expansion with anything. Like, so by any means, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Um, Even if it's not what Noah meant when he was blessing the expansion of Japheth under Shem. Yeah. It looks like maybe Japheth tried to break out from Shem's firstborn. Or not firstborn. His uh, was his, his birthright, I guess. Very possibly. Like, yeah. Eat me Esau moment. Sure, sure. From these, the coastlands of the nations were separated into their lands, everyone according to his language, according to their families, into their nations. So that's the, I don't think the phrase is verbatim every single time copied, but like this idea that, okay, we really want to stress that these people spread out, right? So it seems just based on this chapter that, that they're actually doing what they're supposed to do. Hey, they're they're covering the, the world. Mm-hmm. Great. Good job, guys. And they're developing their own cultures and languages and peoples, right? Um. So that that kind of separation from each other maybe wasn't supposed to be what they were supposed to do, but the idea that they're at least spreading out is good, right? But separating into languages and nations just from this chapter is like, oh, wait a second, they're kind of cutting off communication with each other or like maybe trying to beat each other up. Sure, sure. Yeah, without having the context of the next chapter. Exactly, yeah. This is like, wait a second. So they're doing what they're supposed to, but they're doing it but division is being caused. Exactly, yeah. They're they're kind of trying to get away from each other almost. Sure, sure. Yeah, that 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 could be inferred without uh, without a broader context available. Yeah. Uh, the descendants of Japheth are primarily associated with the coastland peoples who settled along the Mediterranean Sea, populating the Aegean region and points farther west. That was a note from uh, the Archaeology Study Bible, English Standard Version from Crossway. The sons of Ham were... Cush and Mizraim and Put and Canaan. Yeah, so um, we got before Ham is uh, likely to get hot. Um, that that speaking of uh, usually anger, but also maybe impulsiveness. Yeah, he's impatient. Um, he doesn't like he his his bent is to do probably. Yeah, and so we kind of saw that play out in his bid for the seat of authority. Yeah. Um, Kush, we're not really sure where that one comes from. That's that's one of those unknown derivation names. Um, but keep an eye out on Kush. It's going to be a very important um, 
the, the namesake is going to be very important uh, going forward, especially for interactions with the Hebrews. Um, Cush, uh, I think, isn't that Ethiopia? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yes. Um, but more broadly, it's generally used as the African. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. People it, group. Yeah, it speaks of the the people who were further southward of of this south of south. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, Mizraim. Yeah. Mizraim um, could be from uh, Masur, uh, siege, and Sur to bind or besiege. Um, so a double siege. Um, or, uh, are they the seizures? <laughs> that took me too long to figure out. <laughs> because it has the eam. Yes. Um, <laughs> uh, or, uh, mesar, distress, and sarar to bind. Um, so either way, there's kind of a, uh, doubling up of, Either siege or distress. So. Oh, it did not take long for God's observation to come to fruition. Exactly. Hey, you guys are evil. Yeah, yeah. All, all you want to do is be bad guys. Exactly. Yeah. No. The the um, this is this is the thing of having taken of the fruit, which which um the the action is signifying. Hey, I'm going to determine good and evil for myself. Yeah. And so the the mandate is still there mm-hmm. to multiply spread out over the earth and subdue it but there's an ever-present disconnect the, between the people's spirit and their flesh exactly and so and so they are defining as as good for themselves uh subduing the earth which includes subduing other peoples so that i can have this piece of yeah earth, let me you subdue want. you more <laughs> exactly um yeah it's not enough that these people subdued the earth i need to subdue these people who subdued yeah um because and this is something that the Bible Project guys have emphasized. In a lot of these cases where there's a um, a, a struggle for um, for space or or resources that seems to come from this uh, inherent belief that there isn't enough for everybody, so I need to make sure that I hoard up as much for myself as possible lest I be left out. Um, and so... The, uh, th- this is a drive that seems to be present in what happened with Cain, in what happened with Ham, and and in these different people groups as well. Yeah. And in Acts, when we see like basically the the reallocation of the tables of nations, almost where it's like um, people from all over the world are coming back together, mm-hmm. right? Suddenly, it's the opposite. It's we all have so much. Let's share it. Exactly, exactly. And that's one of the things that they've talked about is the idea of like. When, when you when you understand that everything you have comes from the hand of the Father, you are able to give generously because you have been given generously by the Father. Right. And so that um, that in, uh, inherent, uh, I guess, fear of lack is subdued by an awareness of God's generosity. And so that is where the church gets this mentality of, hey, I am giving out of my overflow to everybody else here. So. Yeah. Uh, Mizraim becomes Egypt. Or like, well, it's, it, it, throughout the Hebrew text, it's still referred to as Mizraim. Mm-hmm. But in, in our modern understanding, it's, it's Egypt. Yes, yes. Uh, I don't even know where Egypt first 
started becoming the mainstream name for it. Yeah. In history, that is, not not in, you know, a modern context. Right, right. As far as we know, it's always been Egypt, but like ancient Egypt. Yeah. But it's Mizraim. Yes. In, in Hebrew. Yes. Put. Yes, put. Uh, also of uh, un... <laughs> put. <laughs> <laughs> this isn't a fart. That's no. Right. Yes. Um, yeah, put also of unclear origination, perhaps from the Egyptian verb put to give. Um, but but we are not sure. It, that so that it, might make sense. Yeah, possibly a loan word. A lot but, of Egyptian loan words. Yeah, but uncertain. Um, and then finally, Canaan, uh, which I don't I don't think we actually touched on Canaan. Did we not say um, in the previous? I don't believe huh. so. Um, if so, then I don't think we did. Yeah. Okay, either way, we're going back over. Yeah, well, well, we're we're re, we're restating. <laughs> yeah, we'll talk about it again. Yes. It's okay. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, so Canaan uh, could be from uh, Cana uh, to be brought into synchronicity. Um, oh, so maybe we did. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We did. Um, yeah, so so synchronicity, international trade, and, uh, and a, a sense of unification through, hey, let's take all of our cultures and blend them together. Yeah. Uh, sons of Cush were Seba and Havilah and Sabta and Ra'ama and Sabtika. <laughs> yes. So, um, Seba, uh, likely from the Hebrew verb Sabah to imbibe. So, drunkard. Oh, well, hey. <laughs> what, what a great reputation to have. Was Cush drunk when he had Seba? It's possible. It's possible that Cush pulled a Noah. Um, we don't know. Uh, Havilah, we, uh, I don't think we actually no. touched on this when we were talking about the rivers. Yeah. Um, but yes, this is a, a name which is shared with a land which was apparently very, uh, rich in precious metals and. Yeah. So um, maybe the family of Havilah settled in a place where there are precious metals as well. It's very possible. Um, so this, um, could come from. The verb hul to whirl, um, so a circle, um, or the verbs uh, hawa to gather into a symbiosis and laha to languish, so a languishing village. That's interesting um, if they're in a place of precious metals. Yeah, yeah, that they would. Maybe be, it's because they're constantly under siege. That's very possible. Yeah, yeah. Considering we we touched on the idea of the the idea of greed being from a sense of of lack and yeah because obviously in the pre-flood world precious metals were still a thing and so it was good to have you know things of value yeah even if they didn't carry value in the same sense they were like oh this is really nice to look at yeah or like you could you could adorn yourself in it yeah it, it didn't have to be strictly a currency based thing exactly yeah because we don't have any records of of anything um it, it, which first, resembles currency yeah, until like the bartering system is yeah with like Abraham yeah uh, where he's like take the sheep go away yeah exactly <laughs> um, Sabta uh, could come from the um, this says from an otherwise unused verb sabat to break or beat um, so it could be breaking through or sabab uh, to turn or go around or encircle so it could be encirclement. I wonder if his umbilical cord were... Yeah, umbilical cord. His umbilical cord laid siege to his body. 
no. Not what I was going for. <laughs> Maybe wrapped around him. Wrapped around him. Yeah. Yeah, it's possible. Raama. Yeah, when he was encircled. Oh uh, yeah, Raama, uh, likely from Raam to thunder. So thundering or uh, or perhaps trembling as a result of the thunder. Oh. Um, and then uh, Sabteka, which is probably from the same origins as um Sabta. as Sabta. So mm. um there there is a there is a common theme which we will see going forward in these Toledos where um where a um specific family group will have a couple different names which are variations of the same thing. Mm. Um so for example Abraham has sons named Midian and Medan and both of those mean uh, place of judgment or strife but they're basically just like if if you were to name one of your kids james and you were to name another of your kids jake it's it's the same name we only follow one of uh Kush's sons rama um and his sons were sheba and dedan mm-hmm. dedan dedan that'd yes. be cool my name, my, my, my name is Didan. <laughs> Something judge. That's my guess. Walking Bull guy. In. What's your name? I'm um, Didan. <laughs> I would like applesauce. <laughs> what is that from? Something? No, I'm just thinking like you go to like McDonald's and you get a happy meal and you're like, I would like applesauce. <laughs> I am a world famous uh, oceanographer. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, all right. Sorry, I'm finding the name Sheba. Um, is it the same as Siba? It's the same letters, I'm pretty sure. It looks similar. There's seven. The only yeah. thing I can think of when I see Sheba um, is Shira, and I know that's not the same. One okay. is spelled with an ayin, and one is spelled with a. Oh, the, these are Sheba. One is spelled with an ayin, and one is spelled with an olive. Oh wait, one one has a um, uh, what is that called? Uh, Seba and Sheba. What is that letter? We almost really need the um, the Samek. alphabets so, of the world so, poster. So yeah. Seba has a Samek and Sheba has a Sheen. Mm. Samek only makes the S sound. It doesn't make the Sh sound. Okay, yeah. So the the rest of the word is the same as just the, the first letter is... Yeah. A ace versus sh. Yeah. Interesting. Um, yeah, so then there, yeah, as I said, two two forms of uh, Sheba. One is spelled with an ayin, who we do not see here. We will not see until much, much later. Um, or the second one, which is spelled with an olive, and that is this one. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. And uh, we do not actually know where this one derives from. Uh, it says, but perhaps... Man, drunk, captive, splinter, seven, or oath. Um, we we do have um, with with the other name the idea of seven or oath. Um, Shaba um, is the root of that, so it's possible that this is derivative of that, but we're not entirely sure because sure. of the different uh, the difference in consonants used. Um, and then Dedan is actually from Dada, not from Don, um, oh. to move or lead slowly. 
So um, this is also uh, a a leadership name, but this one specifically seems to be uh, leading gently. Yeah. In contrast to the other names that we've had up to this point, which are subjugation and crushing and yeah, all of that. And now Kush became the father of Nimrod. He became a mighty one on the earth. Okay, so either Kush had another son or, um, wait, yeah, either Kush had another son or this is just speaking of Kush as the ancestor of Nimrod. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but regardless, Nimrod, uh, obviously, seemingly a very important person since he gets such a... Uh, large aside here um, i was i think i was saying to you guys last night or this morning or something it was like nimrod like the guy that people talk about yes. when they're talking about nimrod yep cool yep this is the nimrod yeah and his <laughs> the nimrod capital t capital n <laughs> that's right um and his name comes from marad to rebel so he is the rebel Yep, and he becomes a gibor he becomes a mighty one like the guys from genesis 6 like the guys that caused the flood in the first place. Exactly, yes. So we so far, we do not have a very uh, positive connotation associated no. with that word. Um, and Nimrod seems to reinforce that because uh, becoming a mighty hunter seems to be like he's now, instead of just, hey, God gave us the animals, so we now have another source of food, I'm going His to start... profession is to kill animals. It's yeah, I'm going to start now. slaughtering and, them. And that's also a euphemism for conquest. So he's hunting mm-hmm. people too. His whole shtick is, I'm going to spill as much blood as I can. He's he's Cain and Lamech all over, bad Lamech mm-hmm. all over again, where mm-hmm. he's like, I spill more blood, I get more power, I mm-hmm. get more safety. Yep. And and through this conquest, he sets up Babel and Erek and Akkad and Kalne and Assyria and. Yeah, this is where we get the idea that Nimrod built the Tower of Babel, or at least was the foreman of the project, if you will. Oh. Right. There's there's nothing in Scripture that conclusively says that. It's just that he began his kingdom in the territory of Babel, mm-hmm. which is which is Babylon. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's being this is this is kind of a confusing thing. In these early chapters of Genesis, the word Babel gets transliterated into Babel, um, but. It, it is spelled exactly the same through the rest of the Old Testament, but all of those places, it's called Babylon instead of being transliterated. Mm-hmm. So whenever you see Babylon, it's Babel. And whenever you see Babel, it's Babylon. It's mm-hmm. the same place. Oh, they're they're this, all the same name. Yeah. Oh, okay. Like, so we, we miss this because of the interpretive move that these people take in order to kind of draw a distinction between them. Because they're which, trying to highlight the Tower of Babel as opposed to the empire of Babylon. Exactly, because they're separate. But they're they're intentionally using the same word in in the Hebrew in order to draw a connection rather than distinction. Mm. When we look at the kingdom of Babylon, it's supposed to remind us of what happened at the tower. Mm-hmm. And this uh, mention of his uh, kingdom also being in Akkad mm-hmm. is where we get the notion that maybe um, the historical figure Sargon I was Nimrod. Uh, yeah, there's an association drawn there. Yeah, some, some archaeological information would lead us to believe otherwise. However, unfortunately, the archaeological um, method of interpreting certain things isn't always the most accurate. Um, it is very 
uh, open to interpretation on a lot of fronts, especially depending on what kind of dating you use for certain things, right? So uh, archaeology can neither confirm nor uh, um, disprove the Bible, right? But it can help fill in some of the pieces as far as the culture and maybe the timing goes. But the timing is a very, very loose maybe. Uh, a very, yeah. So You have to kind of take it with a grain of salt type deal? Yeah, okay. but, but it, it can definitely help you understand some of the culture and uh, contemporary situations um, for the text. Neat. Right. Um, from that land, he went forth into Assyria and built Nineveh and Rehoboth ear and Kala and resin between Nineveh and Kala. That is the great city. Mm -hmm. So he's the empire builder. Yep. Like he he's the guy that starts Babylon and Assyria, the ultimate downfall of the chosen people. Mm -hmm. Right, both of those places. Yep. Nineveh is infamous for being the most like sinful place on earth. Like Nineveh uh, is kind of described as being even worse than Babel. Sometimes Babel is just kind of the embodiment of the the nation of sin, basically. Yeah, Nineveh is the the capital of Assyria, and they they were known for being especially brutal conquerors. Yeah, we conquered you. We're going to cut off your hands and skin you alive, and parade you through the streets of your own city to show the people inside the city that we haven't captured yet mm -hmm. what's going to happen. Yes. Yeah. yeah. That's terrifying. Yes, yeah, they they performed horrific acts. Yeah, you guys don't conquest. want to surrender. Well, we are going to we are going to besiege you until you either die of starvation, uh, you know, lower yourselves to the most humiliating position in the world, or until we get impatient and we come and kill you. Yeah. Great. Yeah, Assyria is, is Love that. the big bad for the majority of the prophets. So super. Woohoo. <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah. then, and then that's, that's what's interesting is that throughout the prophets uh, for the northern kingdom, or at least during that time period, mm -hmm. it was Assyria's coming to get you. And guess yeah. what? An even worse guy is going to come after them. Oh. And take over what they took over. I yeah. should say that was sarcasm. If you can pick up on it, I'm not <laughs> thrilled about Assyria. <laughs> so I feel like that wasn't clear. <laughs> I don't know Rehoboth, Ear, and Kala. Yeah, I, I, I don't know if uh, let's see or resin. Do, do these come up later? Shaul of Rehoboth ends up showing up in uh, Esau's Toledot, but beyond that, we don't see Rehoboth. Up. Uh, it means broad places. It's also a well dug by Isaac. Yeah, because because he named he, he names it um, because yeah. he was given space, and yeah. then that's where that's where um, Shaul comes from. Yeah, Kala can be translated Kalach, and it's just a city in Assyria. Uh, Resin is just a city in Assyria. Oh. Well, well, kala comes from uh, the verb kelach, which is to be firm or rugged. There you go. Uh, Mizraim became the father of Ludim and Anamim and Lehabim and Naphtuhim and Pasrusim and Pastuhim, from which came the Philistines and Kaftorim. So Egypt got busy. <laughs> and got busy. That's right. He <laughs> gets two verses for his descendants. Like his direct sons. <laughs> yep. 
Okay, Ludim. Yep. The Ludamites. Yes. All right. So for the first verse, we have uh, Ludim, uh, those from Lud, um, which uh, Lud is um, either from the verb Luz, to bend or turn aside, or Yalad, to beget. So it could be um, the from the place of, uh, I guess, of turning or from the place of productivity. Mm-hmm. The the anamim, um, uh, th- this could be uh, from the verb ana, to answer, and the noun maim, which we've talked about, waters. Um, so, uh, Seafarers. Uh, no, that, that's the Jason thing. Yeah, so th- this is uh, responding waters. The waters which, um, which answer, I guess. Um, then the lehabim um, from lahab, flame. So these are the flames or the flaming ones, which is different from the burning ones. Uh, the, that's uh, yeah. seraphim. Um, and then naftuhim, uh, also from uh, patah. Uh, th- this seems to be like openings, um, but the, it, it has the same root word as Japheth does. This is a different family, but hmm. similar uh, etymology. Now it looks a little bit like Naphtali. Yes. Um, yeah, similar, similar name there as well. Um, Patrusim. Yeah. So uh, from from Pathros, uh, which is from uh, patar to interpret, um, so the place of interpretation, or um, it could be because this is a descendant of Egypt uh, from an Egyptian loan word uh, peteres, uh, which means south land. Yeah, but the the translator sounds much better. <laughs> True, um, and then hasluhim, hasluhim. Uh, perhaps from kasal uh, to be a mental invertebrate, so fools. <laughs> um, and uh, kaftarim, obviously from kaftor, which is potentially from uh, kapar to form a protective wall, uh, or uh, uh, katar uh, to protect or redeem. Um, it could also be from... Um, Top, open hand, and tour uh, to broadly sweep. Uh, or uh, like an, um, an open hand, uh, maybe maybe in peace. Sure. Um, what is, what is uh, the Philistine? That is a good question, actually. Um, possibly from palash to burrow or grieve loudly. Huh. So the... Uh, place of grief this is where all the mourners come from unfortunate yes and it it will make sense in the broader um yeah because it meant initially they cause mourning yeah but then uh, they make a big uh-oh mistake yes and then they try it again <laughs> yes um so going into all of that um i think a, a, a good note to conclude with this kind of ties into the idea of humans uh, writing all of this, um, it it is um, important to note that all of these names um, may be 
uh, rather than the direct name as such, for example, like Babel, um, which which seems to come from like uh, mangling and confusion uh, versus the the larger term Babylon, um, which Babel uh, or Bab Ilim, the gate of God, um, that there is a a polemic thing happening here with some of these names where um, we'll, we'll see this later with somebody like um, uh, Josh and I were talking about uh, Ishbosheth. Um, his name originally has Baal in it, which is the name of a foreign god, um, and so there there is a um, a changing of his name to basically man of shame um, in order to uh, basically discredit the the foreign god. Um, so for something like the Philistines, for example, or for something like Babel, for example, it's possible that these scribes slightly changed the way they spelled things in order to um, express, again, they're doing theology as much as recording history, the theological significance of what's going on with these people, because they're looking at this with the whole of the Tanakh in mind. So um, that is not to say that these are inaccurate names. That is simply to say that um, they are trying to explain what's going on and how they record these names as much as they are just recording the names. Both are in view. Yeah. So, um, now that I've gotten my little soapbox moment out of the way, uh, <laughs> I do have a question. Um, why do we talk about names? Like when when we go through names or gene genealogies, um, or like in numbers when we when they're like, oh, and there were seventy thousand of these men, and there were eighty thousand of these men, and da 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 da. Why is that stuff mentioned? Because they're recording history, um, but but also uh, again there there is there is theological significance to some of this. In 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 this case, they're recording. Okay, these are where these people groups come from. Mm -hmm. We we are aware of all of these people groups that exist immediately around us. Right. Where do they originate from? Well, we know they all originate from Noah. How? And this is the family line by which they all come. Right. So the, it, it's to have a historical record of what occurred. Um, but also, again, theological significance of some of the names. Um, and, and, and as well, the idea of, again, they have the whole of the Tanakh in mind. Where, where did Babylon and Assyria come from? Right. Well, they came from this dude who seems to resemble the Nephilim, who seems to resemble Cain, who seems to re resemble Lamech. Um, so so the, the spilling of blood has been in in the DNA of these cities since day one, basically. Right. So this explains why they're so hostile to, towards Yahweh. Exactly. Um, so there's that theological significance that's also present in this text. Okay, cool. I mean, yeah. If there are some times where I go through and I'm like, yeah, the names. If you just scan over them, <laughs> it doesn't yes, seem yeah. like there's any importance to reading all like 35 names in this book, but. Of course, if you go in and you look at each individual name, you're like, "Oh, okay. This was this guy was called Mud Boy. This one was, <laughs> you know, you know the other <laughs> other names. Of course, all of them. I'm blinking right now, but yeah, there are a lot. It it their names are important. So. Yes, absolutely. Do you have anything to add to that? No. Okay. Um. Yeah, we don't really have a lot in terms of our different uh, 
things that we're looking for for this first half of things. This is all in the new creation. Um, the major characters that we get are obviously Noah's sons mm-hmm. and then the the people who are going to end up being significant. Nimrod is the only one who's gotten a whole lot of focus, though. Yeah. Um, well, we never really see him again like this. Yeah. Is he just kind of like, oh, yeah, this is where Nimrod, like, you know Nimrod? Well, so, You've so, heard of Nimrod. Yeah, that was yeah. part of it, right? So part of it is, okay, so you guys all know this this guy, this guy of mythological proportions and everything. Well, this sure. is actually where he comes from and, you know, what he did and everything. But then it's also tying back to that idea of the Nephilim. And it's like, hey, you know, all these nations that are around you are claiming that their kings are descendants of gods or half gods or gods themselves. Mm-hmm. Right. No, they're abominations of creation. Yeah. This guy is turning himself into an abomination of creation. Yeah, gotcha. yeah. He, he, he is, is not acting to be worshipped. He is not yes. a god. Yes. He is a slaughterer. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So so it, there's it, a polemic element to it. It's defaming these characters of mythology that were this real guy people. sucks, and here's why. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Like, don't don't look up to this guy. Yeah, no. yeah, yeah. Exactly. Um, it would be mucho not good. Mm-hmm. No bueno. That's right. Um, in terms of themes, uh, we we kind of touched on the idea of like the the mandate is being carried out, but in the way that seems good to the people carrying weird, it out. Right. And so, yeah, violence is happening. So putting it's, up walls. Yeah. Around each other and. And they're, um, a lot of these sons have very violent or degrading names. Yeah, yeah. An image starts to develop as you look into all of these names of warring people groups. And the sucky part about all of this is they're siblings. And so this is very Cain and Abel stuff going on right now where, where these people are, are slaughtering their siblings. Or um, wives. Exactly. <laughs> Um, so, and then, uh, I guess in, in terms of significant words, I'll go ahead and put in the show notes, uh, the, the names of the people groups that we're going to be seeing later, um, so that I don't just flood the show notes with all yeah, of the like, names like present Kush in the chapter. Is Ethiopia and yeah. Ibrahim is Egypt and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, but yeah, I, I, I will not, uh, overwhelm everybody with all <laughs> of the Hebrew that we went through because... There is a lot. There's a lot. I wish I could confirm this. I think that Javan is the ancestor of the Phoenicians. I think that's what I was thinking. Mm, mm. But I might be totally wrong on that. Okay. That might have been um, a previous assumption just based on territory Mm -hmm. rather than based on actual people groups. Sure, sure. So. All righty. Yeah. Um, Does that sum everything up? well enough Mm -hmm. thank you for joining us next week we're going to keep talking about the total of um, Shem and Ham and Japheth except for we're talking about Shem's sons and the rest of Ham's sons Um, and by the rest of them I mean Cain yeah (laughs) join us next time as we read the Bible with fresh eyes to understand God for who he is on his terms Grace and peace.